is your red line? No losses? Make as much as inflation? Or make as much money as you can? How much pain can you take? Investors need to find out what their red line is and how it moves. The Red Line Money Podcast can help you find it. Redline Money takes the expertise of David Roach and Richard Harris as they talk markets, price bubbles and busts, and some even more interesting topics. David and Richard have nearly a century between them of searching for the red line in bull markets and bear. Hear what the crowd isn't saying about current markets and price moves in the long term and even longer, back to the Egyptians. See markets as an engineering system, a biological organism, or as the behaviour of subatomic particles. You don't get this anywhere else, and you know it makes sense. So guys, one of the key issues facing the world as we see it today is what's going to happen with the economy post-pandemic. In fact, recently, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said he thinks there are 10 million jobs in the US that may not be coming back. So how do we go about normalising things and is there going to be a new normal? David, what do you think? Well, there'll be a new normal, all right. I mean, the post-pandemic thing will bring people back to being their normal greedy little selves, but the way in which that gets expressed will be different. We'll see bigger government. We'll see a lot more polarisation and unfairness in the economy, which will turn to populism. We'll see a less productive form of state demand substituted for free market capitalism, which didn't do a particularly good job. Either I mean, look at emerging markets' uh, ability to get vaccines. That's free market capitalism. And I can go on. But the key thing is that there are certain things that are the same. And the central bankers are, are printing the money and they're distributing it through the governments because they're buying government bonds because the governments have huge deficits. And this is on average about 10 or 12% of GDP. We have households who have between 12 and 20% of GDP in excess savings. That's more than they would normally save. Now, if you take all these together, another 8% of GDP is coming down the rails from Mr. Biden. And all of this will produce, surprise, surprise, inflation. And that's, of course, when this gets uh, into the psyche of markets, you will have a scare, a big scare. And I think probably a two-year bear market, which is probably about three months away. I'm slightly more bullish maybe in the short term and as bearish in the long term. You know, whether it's going to happen in months, I don't know, because I think we're going to see continual periods over the next few months of better earnings coming through, as you say, more savings, more spending, more money in the market. And I think we're going to end up with actually probably quite a good bull market this year. Inflation, yes, I think it's out there. Again, I'm not so sure it's going to happen that quickly. Not that I agree with Ms. Yellen. I think that inflation is going to be pretty horrible. And of course, governments are unable to do anything about it. Central banks are unable to do anything about it with negative interest rates. So it seems to me that the long-term picture looks just as grim as you're saying, David. But I kind of think the grimness is going to hit maybe even in two years' time, not necessarily immediately. Well, that's a huge difference. Because even if markets went up 10% a year, which will already be a lot on top of what they've already done, Richard would be 30% richer than me. And that, of course, is totally socially unacceptable. Okay, so tell me why you think you're right, David. I think I'm right because if you look at the amount of money being poured into the US economy, you're looking at a resultant growth rate of 8% in the first half of this year. 
Now, that is the run rate. It's not the distortions carried over from last year when there was a COVID epidemic. Now, that's like asking uh, an octogenarian to jive. You're going to have an accident on the dance floor. But what a way to go. This will, or quite, but this will be quick. And I think the central bankers are already worried about things like agricultural prices, things like Bitcoin, of course, which is a replacement of their own power, and they wouldn't like that very much. What we're looking at is the criticality. When's the market going to reach a critical phase? You know, it's the unknown unknown that's going to kick us all in the backside when it comes along. And at the moment, we've seen the GameStop thing and the GameStop chart is wonderful. You know, talk about Duke of York going up to the top of the hill and down again. I can't help thinking the same is going to happen to Bitcoin. Bitcoin's now, what, 52,000? It could happen at 100,000 or 150,000. Who knows? What we do know, those of us who've been in the market uh, combined for nearly a century, is that sooner or later it will come down. There's going to be something out there that's so systemic that's going to kick the market. And what do you think that systemic thing could be, Richard? Well, if I know it, I'd probably be sitting on a beach with a drink with an umbrella in it. It's probably going to be something systemic, you know, uh, a massive bankruptcy. Elon Musk going down the tubes. There's going to be some big asset that's going to collapse and bring the whole thing down. And I, I, I see you've been seeing it in your, your notes, David. And fundamentally, I do agree. Bonds, big loser. I'm not so concerned about equities. Some equities will do well, some, some won't, because equities do hold with inflation. Inflation's uncontrollable. Where's money going to go? Is there going to be any value in money at the end of the day with so much printing? Uh, you know, the picture looks very bleak further out. Well, I differ in a couple of ways there. One is I think equities will be the worst. I think the unknown unknown is the known known. It's inflation. It just comes back. And what happens is you then see that all these central bankers, all of these people will be proven to be wrong. And I think that is big enough to bring this down. For me, of course, you have all these non-classical things happening like Bitcoin, which is people trying to get out of the way of central bankers whom they don't trust, really. But Bitcoin is a classic tulip, of course. As, of course. But all of these things are new. But the way in which it ends is classic. It is actually that they're behind the curve. And the curve will become almost invisible now. But I think by the summer, it'll be pretty clear. And once they are, then, of course, they're going to say, well, this was all sort of intended. Inflation will go to two and a half percent and stop. How very pleasant. (laughs) I mean, that is just such a load of rubbish. You and I remember pretty well 17, 18 percent. And I would also recall that in those days, the venerable German market, which made what it does today because the Germans have always made things. But the PE on those at the period you're talking about was four times earnings. And yeah. they, they, they were making the same things, you know, pretty well the same way. You were facing then an inflation rate in Germany, which still was four or five percent, but Francis was 12. And you went on like this. So I think inflation will actually make equity as the worst performing asset. And that's what people don't expect. So what are you going to buy instead? I would say, well, if you trot off and buy copper, it's better because there's a better supply and demand balance. And everybody's going to use lots and lots of copper in electric cars. Will we be able to afford electric cars, of course? Exactly. And then I would buy a lot of food because I think we've done a pretty good job at destroying the planet. And food seems to have a relatively good supply and demand balance with the agricultural land increasing much more slowly than the amount of people 
people were going to feed, so we definitely need less people. And that is all very nice. But then you have to go back and you think these are assets which have gone up enormously. It's the fact that the tide of liquidity lifts all the boats and the ebb tide will bring them down. You don't have a shelter. Because That's right. There are also going to be a lot of smart people who say, well, let's short this and let's short that. Well, of course, what happens is the shorts often can't survive the game. Uh, as we've seen, you know, even with GameStop, you can't sit in a short and, and stay there like you can a long acid. But the other thing, too, as we saw almost in the global financial crisis, is even if you protect yourself and you make a lot of money on the downside, there's some guy on the other side who's losing a king's ransom. And is he actually going to pay you at the end of the day? So what's the future of insuring yourselves with financial assets if you're not going to be paid at the end of the day? Well, we all do it. I mean, the way, for instance, I participate in equity markets today is to buy notes, which actually insure the downside, maybe at 15, 16% below where the market is. Doesn't pay you a dividend, but is geared maybe 1.2 times to the upside. And you hope that the venerable to stand on the opposite side of these notes are going to be there right. to pay me off because otherwise you're really in 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 something. Well, that's something bad. synthetic. It's a contract. And uh, if yeah, the guy yeah, down the road welches on his contract, which links up to Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan and the big banks, you know, this is what happened in the global financial crisis is eventually that systemic risk goes to the whole system and nobody can pay you back. Which, which brings me to another point, Richard, just to complete the gloom, which is... <laughs> And then we'll have some good news, maybe. One of the problems, I think, about the next bear market is the ammunition. It's been said before, but it has never been done so much. The ammunition which the authorities possess to fight this has been spent. Yeah. I mean, and yes, governments can always spend more and central banks can always print more. But is it still credible? I think if you get inflation back as the reason for this bear market, doing more of it becomes incredible. And therefore the marginal return is negative to doing it. This goes to the very heart of money, isn't it? That money is all about confidence. And what you're talking is that we have an element of confidence at the moment, but that confidence one day may see a break. And that's the element of criticality. If it does, uh, you have to wonder whether we're gonna be. I mean, the world will have to come back to a new base level. You guys are basically the harbingers of doom here. This is such a depressing conversation. Cheer me up somehow. Certain things remain wonderful. If you have cash at the end of this, you will have more than somebody who has equities. You won't have as much cash because there will be inflation. But if you look out the window, you can go kayaking, mountain walking, biking, and all sorts of things which are actually virtually costless. Perhaps... That's the best message. It's there. Mm. But well, I think you'll make a lot of money in financial markets like in the past. No, we've become culturally accustomed to this. And I think we will now go to a period where you don't. Again, I go back to my early days in JP Morgan. If you, you owned, of course, there was no BMW, but of course you owned Mercedes and Siemens and such things. They were the and good old days. Portfolios were up by three, two percent a year, and these were ERISA American pension funds that J.P. Morgan were investing. The first to go global. Uh, if it was up by two percent a year, that was a good year. It was a very modest world, and frankly, I mean, while medical care was not quite, but it was fine. We did well. Harking back to those days as well. 
investment management and, and investment is not like the Olympics. It's not higher, faster, stronger. We seem to outperform uh, using pen and paper and, and, and quill pen and going out for lunch with brokers to seeing what was a good idea, uh, perfectly legal, of course. And we seem to do just as well then. We seem to get just as much alpha then as people were doing with the most complex, sophisticated computer programs. So investment is a very unusual business. It's not really improved over time. It seems to me that this is all about managing expectations. Maybe the way the pandemic has impacted us, like you say very wisely, David, is that people have reassessed their lives, going outside more and enjoying the taste of a nice ripe strawberry. It might be exactly what you need. Maybe this will be a shock to the system for a lot of people, and it's all about how you handle that and adjust to the situation. So how should investors protect themselves? By by land. Yeah. I think it'd be very hard to go wrong. Well, I tell my kids they need somewhere to live. That's the first thing, because if we're going to get inflation, they're not going to be able to afford anywhere to live. But uh, the one one piece, uh, and maybe it's a a slight backward uh, uh, piece of happiness, is in all of these things, it's usually the minority drive the majority. We need to remember that even when things are pretty bad, 85% of the population is still okay. Even when unemployment is really bad at 20%, 80% 80% of the population are employed. Generally, as David's saying, I think people get on. There's uh, not only the beauty of nature, you know, the joy of family, but I think the economies will still continue to have to move. It's just there'll be such an enormous disruption in people's lives that actually, at the end of the day, probably the young are going to handle it better than some of us more set in the way, ways old boys. I think that's right. One of the things you guys have touched on a lot here is the rise of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies more generally. I look at currency and I say currency was only really currency when I could take my note, go into the Bank of England and get the equivalent in gold. And then it was really not affordable, which by the time it was said was true. Since then, we've had fiat currencies. What is fiat currencies? Fiat currencies are really the ultimate logarithm, which nobody understands and everybody trusts. It's based upon a network and it's based upon confidence that this is real. Okay, now why is it real? It's real because it's a web with a big spider in the middle and the spider is a central bank. Now, Bitcoin, and I'm not saying Bitcoin, I'm saying cryptocurrencies per se. They're a network, they're trusted, they're becoming more transactable, though they're not there. And they are becoming a volatile, in many people's eyes, store of wealth, which can go up and down. So the cryptocurrency shares with fiat currency the fact that it is a network, that it can be can be a store of wealth, <clears throat> and that it will be transactable. So a measure of transactions as well. It actually doesn't have a central bank spider in the middle of the web. And the reason why it will stay with us is because it doesn't have that. People don't want a central bank because if there is one thing you will learn from COVID, it is that you cannot trust our institutions. You cannot trust our governments to get it right. Therefore, the reason I'm getting lots and lots and lots of calls and studies and commissions to look at cryptocurrency by staid institutional investors People who would never dreamt of doing such a thing. 
so much as three years ago is because these currencies are here to stay. But I would say that a lot of those institutions are showing interest because they're looking at trading. They're not looking at investing. I mean, there's a great story I had a couple of days ago. A friend of mine, he went out for lunch with somebody and somebody came in with a Bitcoin in his hand and he dropped it on the table and it was plastic. That horrible uh, plastic sound of falling on the table. And Bitcoin is certainly, there's a lot of confidence there. I wouldn't say it's not going to go up. I think you'd be foolish to say there aren't going to be a whole bunch of people going in. I think the whole idea of saying we're going to have it because it'll make us independent and free, live free or die kind of thing. Uh, I don't think that's really going to happen. It is maybe a reflection of the fact that people are losing confidence in the central banks. And the one thing I would hold to is when I was a boy, I was told that governments could do these things because they can go out and tax the people. Now, we know how hard that is, but at least they have the ability uh, of rescuing it somehow. They have the deepest pockets, the biggest central will to rescue this whole thing. And when the chips are down, you and I are right, it'll be the governments that are going to have to bail the economies out somehow. Oh, yes. And they are becoming transactable. For example, I have a farm in Ireland. If I use a Hong Kong bank to transfer money to an Irish bank to pay for the these animals and the people who live on this farm and look after these animals, the Irish banks lose it. Maybe one out of three times. Yes. So I do transfers of Bitcoin directly. So from my mobile phone to their mobile phone. That pay a whole payments business is going to be totally revolutionized because the works. banks have been making a fortune. No more you all... Bank of Ireland, no more Allied Irish Investment Bank, uh, or whatever it's called, no more Hong Kong Bank. Just but the payments uh, business is dying. You, you know, e e even now it, it doesn't really work. You can't charge somebody 1%, 2% to transfer their money around the world in a different currency when you know it's done at basis points. I think the thing about Bitcoin is that it's actually spawned an enormous number of very positive aspects. Blockchain, for instance, yes. um, digitization of securities. I mean, that's that's like the payment system. It's all got to be digitized sooner or later. It's actually advanced the digitization of a lot of industries who are holding on to the old ways and we're able to do it. Uh, banking is going to become revolutionized by a lot of these issues. Trading, supply chains, all going to become revolutionized by blockchain. So it goes back to the key point that money is about confidence. And at the moment, we're in a position where we're starting to lose, at least analysts like you and I who look ahead are starting to lose confidence in money because it's been so badly managed. Yeah. Carolyn Wright and I've been talking with David Roach of Independent Strategy and Richard Harris of Port Shelter Investment Management. This is the Redline Money Podcast and we'll be back soon.